Hello, everybody. This is episode 34 of the Clappercast. We are recording on December 30th, 2019, and we are here for a recap of the last 10 years in the NHL. My name is Burke. And I'm Sean. And uh, what a decade it was, Sean. <laughs> a lot happened. So let's try to cram it all into an episode here. I know. So like, even just even just trying to think back on it, there's so many little things that I kept forgetting, and it took like a while to actually realize like all of the things that have happened within the last 10 years and some of them I was I legitimately forgot about until I reread about them so there really was a lot that happened and it's it's easy to forget a lot of the little things so I don't don't fault you on that I know I have a terrible memory so I'm I'm right there with you man but uh, is there anything that you wanted to start off the uh, the show with I want to talk about one of the things that I actually completely neglected to think that happened this decade but the uh, return of the winnipeg jets the jerts yeah so it seems like it's been it's just normal now like there's a team in winnipeg but that happened this decade that the jets went back or the thrashers went to winnipeg rip atlanta v2 (laughs) times a charm atlanta It is pretty cool, though. I mean, it, it does seem like it's just like the new normal, and it, it's it's hard to to think about a time where the Jets weren't there. I mean, yeah, it's it's just such a natural thing. It is. It's, it's worked and, so uh, well. It it does. I mean, right into that. I don't know if you watched their first game back, but I remember I remember watching that on TV and just how absurdly loud that arena gets, mm-hmm. and how loud it was on that first game. Like the way the way the stands are shaped, I think they're like super steep in Winnipeg, so yeah, all of the noise is amplified big time. Yeah, I think it's one of the loudest in the NHL, just because of the mm-hmm. way that the noise is all kind of funneled down towards the ice. Yeah, yeah. So game one there was just absurdly loud, and I'm pretty sure like the commentators just stopped talking for a while and just let the noise take over, just just to like try and get the people who are watching on TV to be familiar with what's happening in the arena and just how passionate and loud everybody was. I always like when the announcers let the building speak for itself. Yeah. They just take a step back and let the people hear the, the crowd noise. It's always a really cool there's, moment. There's something hugely symbolic about that where, you know, they're in the arena experiencing it and they're like, this is incredible. I'm just going to shut up and let it, let it sink in for everybody at home too. There's just something really symbolic and cool about that. Yeah, it's always cool when they do that for like cup wins. Yes. Like the last twenty seconds they'll kinda of let the crowd take over and and let the let the they'll like turn the bench mics up, it sounds like. So you get the players starting to cheer on the bench. All the all the cursing. <laughs> <laughs> all the fucking rights. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good call though. I you know, I, I also kind of forgot that that happened this this decade because uh I was I was a uh, ready to bring up that Vegas, you know, that's a new thing. And that's, you know, the success of the expansion franchise is kind of a new thing. Um, You know, previously it's been just kind of a nightmare for teams coming into the league, just being garbage for so long. They've had garbage, you know, seasons, like the Capitals, when they came in, they were the worst. They still have the record for the worst expansion team. You know, it's a, yeah. we haven't seen a lot of success early on, and it's kind of cool oh. to see that that rebound. I don't know if that's the new normal. It seems like Seattle is going to have a, a tougher time because teams know how to approach it now. But yeah, there might be a little bit more smarter ways of approaching the draft. But uh, 
I feel like the the the, the rules that Seattle and Vegas are going to get draft or the expansion rules are going to get for their drafts are so much more lenient mm-hmm. than what they than what like say Minnesota and Columbus and Nashville got. Right. So they're they have access to a lot more better players. Yeah, and you know, making all those crazy deals like, oh yeah, take Riley Smith if you take Jonathan Marsha, so we'll pro- we'll protect uh, Petrovic. I guess just yeah, all that sort of weird stuff. I don't know if Seattle's going to benefit <laughs> from some of that. <laughs> which uh, which coach is going to get like have a really good uh, reputation and then get fired and then get to you know sign on to the expansion team and do really well? <laughs> yeah, def- be this time. definite trend. <laughs> um, and. Uh, I guess Seattle being announced that I guess that kind of counts for this decade too. Um, Definitely. You know, just the, the growth of the league. Um, and that's, that's been a huge part of this decade is just growth. I think growth. Yeah. Um, trending up for sure. Is as much shit as everyone gives Gary Bettman, you know, him, him and the team that he's been leading have done an excellent job at growing the league. If we Absolutely. just look at, you know, we kind of we, we're using like say player salaries as like an indicator of league success. Just how much those have been going up since you know, well, we'll say the last like twenty years, but even the last decade, mm-hmm. when you know Crosby signed probably close-ish to Crosby and Ovechkin signed kind of close to the last decade. You know, they were hitting like a nine nine to nine and a half million cap hit as a max for player, I think, and now we're up to like thirteen fourteen. Yeah, and we're seeing we're seeing guys like Jeff Skinner who can now command that same amount on the market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely growth in the the money. Um, I feel like I've I've read some things about there being bigger TV audiences in, in smaller markets. We've seen like you know like a place like Nashville just explode with hockey fandom. Yeah. I mean, the That's success so cool. of Vegas. Um, there's just like the smaller market teams are becoming bigger. And um, I, I think it's a great, great move for the league. However, the the one drawback to all of this is that the NHL is not going to the Olympics, which is, I think, one of the biggest stories of this decade. Yeah. Um, and so. how about we, we'll, we'll start with one of my favorite moments of the decade. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I'm most kind of like sad about not getting to watch NHL players at the Olympics and talk about the golden goal. You know, right to kick off this past decade how how big was that game in canada and the u.s the 2010 absolutely olympic massive. gold medal final in vancouver absolutely you know, like, massive that that moment is in hockey history it's kind of written in like the lore of the lore of the hockey books and of course you know canada's golden child Sidney crosby scores it <laughs> Yeah, it was a storybook. And, um, you know, this, uh, TSN had a poll, or not a poll, it was just kind of a, a post. And it was, you know, what is the biggest Canadian sports moments of the last decade? And I think that golden goal has got to be it. You know, it, ha- it was up against things like the Toronto Raptors winning. I don't know what even else was up there, but the the bat flip, like, <laughs> like it's just yeah, like... not even the same, like, no planet of no. importance it's just the the same significance the just the, yeah it, it's like, just that's and i mean that 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 was also like a country moment you know not yeah. everyone is a hockey fan of course but that was like a country moment yeah the team olympics canada beats team the usa stage 
yeah, it was it was important. It's one of those things where like you remember where you were, you remember who you're with. It's just yep. one of those those huge Definitely. things. And uh, yeah, in a similar in a similar vein to like Paul Henderson's goals in the Summit series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the, the Sochi Olympics 2014, um, also you know a, a big one, but not quite the same as being at home. Um, and then no, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of the significant well not significance but the energy taken out of it when you have to get up at like four in the morning to watch the game. <laughs> yeah, I I did it and I same here. I did do it. It was against Sweden. It wasn't as crazy. Um, I remember being a little bit salty about the win because the Swedes had to play without Nicholas Backstrom, you know, their their number one center, um, because he drank like cough syrup that was deemed to be performance enhancing or <laughs> something um he's doping yeah he got his medal like i think like six months later they were like oh okay maybe it was it was fine but um yeah definitely not as significant of an event i think for canadians at least because of the being further removed from it yeah so you know we're not watching the games live unless you get up super early it's got yeah but that doesn't change the fact that the Olympic tournament is the way to have the best on best. Yes. In a way that nothing else allows it. And that's kind of the, the main appeal of it. And that's kind of where a lot of hockey fans get kind of distraught at not being able to watch it. Cause like, sure we get to watch them play all the time in the NHL, but it's never like the all-star team's best on best giving it their all game and game yeah. out. And I think the NHL's experiment with the World Cup of Hockey was a success, but it wasn't quite, it, it was nowhere near the level of excitement as the Olympics command. I didn't even watch any of that tournament, to be honest. <laughs> I just didn't get into it. Yeah, I mean, it was fun with like the Team North America, the young guys versus, you know, Team Europe. That was kind of a cool idea, yeah. um, but it's just not, it's just not the yeah. same. I saw a lot of it as like a gimmick, like just a company gimmick versus the significance of an Olympic tournament. Like that's got yeah. that's got historic value. This one is just like a yeah, we'll have a tournament with everybody. Yeah, and it's just kind of weird because it's like the, right before the season begins, and you know goalies aren't super sharp at that time of year, so there's more scoring. Yeah, and everyone's still finding their legs. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just not it's just not the same. I just no, <laughs> but I mean it's it's something. It's something, and I really hope that uh, in moving into the next decade that we can get back to the Olympics because that's where all the players want to be. That's where all the fans want the players to be. Yeah. So hopefully we can figure it out. Yeah, as long I mean, I think the main issue is that the NHL can't put their name on their assets, basically, right? Mm-hmm. The Olympic, yeah, that's my the Olympic committee or whoever won't uh, won't budge on on that part in the NHL is like, well, you're using like our players yep. in the middle of our season and we can't even like try and benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, our, our, our players, so I hope there's some hurt. sort of middle ground they can find. I hope so too. Um, maybe, maybe next up uh, we've tackled the Olympics. Maybe let's just tackle some rule changes. If you don't mind, I think we should yeah. touch on those because there's been some pretty major changes in the last 10 years. Definitely. Um, I think the, the most significant one is probably rule 48, the, the check to the head rule. Would you agree? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. By far. So yeah. So rule 48, the illegal check to head rule that basically 
got in, got implemented very early in the decade, like you know March or April or something, um, in response to Matt Cook hitting Mark, Mark Savard, Savard directly in the head, massive concussion. I was that his last? Was that kind of the end of his career at that point? I think so. Or did he continue yeah. on? Yeah. So I, I think that you know, was pretty much ending Mark Savard's career, and with the the hit at the time was completely legal. There was nothing the NHL could do to punish Matt Cook for it, based off of you know how they had set up the rule book in the in the past. So what was it? Three weeks after that, after all of the backlash from you know every every party, every inter- you know an interested party, um, they very quickly put in a mid-season rule change. That is Rule 48 that is targeting those illegal checks to the head, where the head is the initial point of contact and the primary point of contact. And uh, the significance of this one through the decade is that we've seen, like, every single year, this rule being applied to hits on the ice, to hits and suspensions, and we're seeing, like, the progression of the rule in the game where these types of hits are kind of being phased out over the last few years. And, like, this is a primary point of development of the game it's kind of leading that charge i think yeah it's 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 an important rule change that needed to be made because the the player safety should be paramount and those cheap shots needed to be taken out and you know we're seeing that evolve over time because like you said that they had to do something about it and they've they did they reacted um now we're kind of seeing every every hit be slowed slowed right down and examine frame by frame you know people are trying to, to determine intent it's, it's it's an interesting time i think it's it's mm-hmm. definitely trying to protect players but it's it's in a interesting space right now um you know we're, we're also seeing we should touch on this too is the department of player safety is is kind of growing up oh, with yeah. this rule change. Um, They've been a very uh, very heated topic this decade, too. <laughs> yes, and their inconsistency in applying rules is such a as yearly story. is... Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely been a controversy every season. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, they've been a massive, in, inconsistent, controversial um, organiza- organization group every single season and you know as we talk about the development of a rule and as they learn to implement it in in the game to try and figure out the different parts of the different moving parts of the rule in relation to the gate the players on the ice of course i guess there's going to be inconsistency while they work on doing that Mm -hmm. um doesn't make it any less frustrating as fans watching players get hit in the head with in seemingly similar situations but one person gets nothing and the other gets three games yeah even within the same week. And uh, there's, it's not the type of rule that you can have like a black and white solution. So there's always going to be a bit of gray area, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that gray area to tighten it up a bit and uh, make it a, make it a little bit more consistent and develop those like different precedents for different types of hits and to start yeah. applying those more accurately. Yeah, I think the application of the rule has to be a bit more standard, and uh, we're seeing it now where like fans are coming up with lists of, you know, the most. Uh, well, how, how should I explain this? 
did you see that on Reddit where the people were were making lists of like when the last player to be penalized against them was or to yes, be suspended? Yes, this was in response to some Toronto. Yeah, because Toronto fans have said like, oh, nobody gets suspended when they play against us. Um, so they they created like a spreadsheet that said, you know, this was the last time someone got suspended since George Peros took over. Yeah, it's, it's just weird. Like people are trying to create narrative where there isn't one and it's because of the inconsistencies lending themselves to that you know it's just such a weird time yeah um, well I, I see i see that one is like an extension of the oh my team's had four penalties called against it when's when's our power play yeah we're, that, we're that due, type of logic we're due for suspension to come up against the other team yeah it's yeah. just a weird it's the, it's the same type of logic now. that there might be something to it but it'd just be a massive coincidence yeah. unless, you know, there's the inconsistency. So that's obviously a factor, mm-hmm. but it's ultimately it just ends up being a massive coincidence and uh, suspensions, the same as penalties should not be given out just because you haven't had one against you in a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, some other rules I wanted to touch on is the hybrid icing came into effect. Um, so, I think it's, I think it's worked out pretty well. I do too. Um, you know, it's it's I think you know it was brought in to prevent injuries, and I think it's done that. We don't see the the huge hit from behind on the icing rush as much. I mean, we we still and I still think, there. Yeah, the the big one is not even like the hit. It's just when two guys get tied up and one goes flying feet first into the boards at high speeds, mm-hmm. like that yeah. uh, Taylor Fadoon situation where he kind of just shattered his leg when he went flying into the end boards like that yeah i think it's, um, it's definitely been a positive yeah change and uh i don't think i've ever heard anyone really come out against it and asking for the touch icing to come back um no. i mean you see you see sometimes where like the race is really close and they call it a little early and people are upset but it's never been such a problem that anyone's no, ever brought and it up. To be honest, the only like the only ones that I see as a major issue, like nine times out of ten, it's plays that go to the end board anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usually they're pretty good about the hash mark ones. It's the end board ones that end up being contested more often, I think. Yeah. Um however, on that note, I think uh one big one big one trend out of the decade if this is even going on longer i can't remember from the previous one but uh the weak icing calls where oh, right where it's just where you, the puck kind of like goes right through the player but they did they still call it icing anyways even though they definitely could have had it mm-hmm. yeah stuff like that where like that's actually that can be significant to a game but uh it's still it's still called as icing yeah, that's something that I've noticed in the NHL over the, the past few years is that they have a tendency to trust the D-man a lot. That yeah. he made every effort to get the puck and he's skating as hard as he looks like he is to, to skate back. Like, There's no real emphasis on on watching that player like hustle back. like you know, um, Because icing, if you're not skating for the puck, you can wave it. Like, if that guy's not trying to get back, he can get beat, right? So... Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't really look for that in the NHL. You see it probably about once a game, at least once a game, where there's a real soft icing call. And uh, yeah, I think. Yeah. I hope. And you end up getting an offensive zone face-off against a tired group of people. 
yeah, that no could change. change the game. Mm-hmm. And so then it was like major game management tactics. Yeah. And then the next thing, the next rule change is a pretty huge controversy is the offside challenge. So this is, yeah. you know, the later yeah, part of the time. decade, but they've, they've definitely tailored it a bit down from when they originally brought it in. So now if you challenge and it's incorrect, it's a penalty, which I think was a great change. I do too. I think it's basically cut out all the crappy challenges from before. Yeah. That it's... It got to a point where the, the challenge would just be used as a timeout, but it'd be a longer yeah, timeout. Used, used for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I think it's it's getting to that point where it's like splitting hairs between what's offside and what's onside. It's it's getting really close, and you know it's leading to a lot of frustration. Much like the other kind of emphasis lately has been goaltender interference for the challenges. I guess coaching challenges in general is kind of a new thing this decade. Um, yeah, so. You know, both the offside and the goaltender interference. I mean, you're an Edmonton fan. I don't need to tell you about goaltender interference, but um, it's been Thanks, I repressed that memory. <laughs> well, I'm bringing it back for you. <laughs> Recapping. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of yeah. like what even is offside? What's what's goaltender interference? You know, offside is a little bit more black and white, but... That's the thing. That's my argument against the offside stuff where... Like, yes, the person was one centimeter offside 60 seconds before the puck went in, but that, mm-hmm. they're still offside. Yeah, like, what's the cap? Literally the rule. How long, how far back you can go. Because yeah. if someone's got zone time for, like, a minute and a half before they score, like, oh, they entered in offside. It's like, okay, well, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, okay, so we we roll it back to that time that was offside, right? So, like, do, mm-hmm. do, does all those shots that were made not count? Well, the saves not count. Like, like I feel just... like. Well, I mean, for for continuity, yeah. Like the game would be rolled back to when the offside should have been called. Mm-hmm. So it's just to me, like to me, anyways. Like I'm, I don't have any issue with that that type of call being made generally. Even though I realize yeah. how insignificant that like small distance would be. Like he's not. He, he's barely offside. It's like a centimeter. But, yeah, I, I, I don't mean, like it when the they offside go back rules so that, far. Like, black and white so yeah um the zone the possession should have never happened in the first place technically yeah um the 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 other rule change i wanted to talk to is the last rule change um is the 3v3 overtime best rule change they've made so fun so exciting <laughs> my it's, only it's, criticism, it's a nice way <laughs> sorry my only criticism is that i wish they simultaneously change it to three on three and made it like 10 minutes because it's so fun it's so much yes. fun to watch definitely yeah i mean the shootout just sucks it's it's basically just some dumb gimmick for fans it's a complete buzzkill of a way to end a game you have this nice you know close hard-fought game, tie game going into overtime and like exciting overtime period and then there's just this buzzkill of a shootout so I totally agree that like 10 minutes would probably be better. And then that's at that point too, you're going to start to see different strategies come out instead of just like the back and forth fast guys. Yeah. Like you might end up seeing a third line come out for, for a three on three shift. Mm-hmm. Probably wouldn't be as exciting, but it'd just be like different and kind of fun to see what some yeah. of the, what some of the other guys can do. Um, I mean, 
that's that's like sorry to cut you off there but um in overtime and playoffs that's like my favorite hockey ever it's the best so if you had a longer regular season overtime it would just be mm, just yeah. the best <laughs> definitely and i think i think the three on three like it, it's a little bit gimmicky to me in the in the sense that it's you know what is true hockey in air quotes but like it's a, it's like kind of like an arcade style where but it Absolutely. still captures hockey like the shootout's entirely a gimmick that isn't hockey three on three is kind of a nice middle ground between that where it's enough hockey to still be you know genuine and fun to watch mm-hmm. but it's also a little bit of an arcade style that's fun for the fans too yeah yeah, I think that would be a sweet change, just the ten minutes. I think I think players yeah. have even said like they would wouldn't mind it. No, um, was it dry side? that? I think. <laughs> I think I think players. Some players would say like I could even get ice time. <laughs> yeah, if it was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no doubt. Because it, it's it's fun to watch um, for sure. It's been, I think, again, it's been one of those changes where like been zero negative attention to it. It's just been positive fans love it players love it like it's just it's fun to watch definitely um let's maybe move away from the rule changes unless there was any other ones you wanted to to go over nope that uh that covers rule major rule changes anyways yeah um i just remembered another one but <laughs> let's just let's hey just go on. ahead have at it um, i was <laughs> gonna say i'm not sure if it was this decade but i think think it was is the grandfathering in of visors um so Every player coming into the league has, has to wear a visor now, so we're seeing all the old school guys, you know, like the Jamie Benz, the Zadino Charas. Um, they're having to; they are the only guys left without visors. Um, yes. So it's it's just funny kind story of about that. Uh, Jamie and Jordy Benz's mom got them both visors for Christmas. <laughs> Every mom's <laughs> wish. Yeah. <laughs> so subtle funny. hint to those two guys to uh, put on a damn visor. I don't think they did. <laughs> probably not <laughs> yeah um so and just kind of a last you know just popped into my head just kind of move towards like that's more safety thing um you know be a bit more of a prevention for fights you know just more safety never and also thing. some of the the eye sticks and eye pucks and stuff too oh yeah for sure it also helps players become pirates yeah i was just thinking about that <laughs> Girardi. <laughs> <laughs> that's always a fun fun little tidbit of information when it yeah happens. his little uh <laughs> pirate puck yeah yeah uh moving on i guess uh what did you want to move to next how about the kind of the the looming threat of lockouts Ooh. throughout the decade everybody so that's favorite. been a big one right from the start kind of because we kind of knew about the the potential for one in 2012-13 from the beginning of the decade Sure enough, it happened, but it seems like every single season, there's just this looming threat that we know in three years, in two years, we could have another lockout, and the trend, it keeps looking like we will have another one in a couple of years, that there's going to be a couple of things that they just can't can't agree on in time, and uh, we lose another part of a season. Luckily, we didn't, we got like an extension, I think, on the CBA, so it got pushed back another year. Yeah. So we didn't get one. Would have been this season, I think, or yeah, next, beginning of next so. season, something like that. I think, I think it would have. Yeah, there's just that that looming threat, and uh, it's always kind of hard when you don't know when 
when or if the season's going to start on time. Those yeah. those couple of years when there's the the bargaining bar, the CBA's up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, you know, everybody nobody wants to miss hockey. Um, you know, it's, it's it. Whenever I think here about lockouts, I always think about Ovechkin because it's like, yeah, you know, his his first season lockout, and then you know he played a, a shortened season that one lockout year. And I just think, like, how closer would he have been to some of these records if he would have played those? He full would have years? had, well, probably another 50, 50 plus goals if if he if both of those seasons were. I think he probably would have had, yeah, like probably like sixty five <laughs> more goals. Yeah, knowing him, especially earlier in his career too. Yeah, he was such a fast, speedy scoring machine, and uh, you know, it was a little bit more scoring when he first came in too. So it's just makes me a sad panda when I think about missing more hockey. Not no bueno. Always, always. <laughs> I mean, the alternative, I mean, some guys don't play, some guys go to the AHL, which isn't very well televised or broadcast anywhere. Mm-hmm. A handful of guys head over to Europe. Um, the nice thing in Canada is that junior hockey seems to take over and just get more, more of that on TV instead. Yep. But, um, yeah, there's alternatives, but they're not great. Yeah, no. The the one good thing that came out of it was that Nicholas Backstrom played with Ovechkin in uh, for Dynamo Moscow, and uh, he wore number 99 and number 69. <laughs> <laughs> what a the legend. master. <laughs> Speaking of those two, uh, quickly, um, they were number one and number one for goals and assists in the last decade. So Ovechkin won, or not won, but had the most goals, and Backstrom had the most assists. Capitals had the most wins. They've just been a treat to watch. And they finally got their cup. Yeah, it's a pretty successful see- uh, so 10 years that's a good, for the Capitals. Yeah, that, I mean, that's one of the big stories of the decade, because seven, seven seasons in, everyone's still talking about how Ovechkin doesn't have his cup. Is he actually going to win one? Of course, you know, questions on his leadership and all that come in. And the one year that I remember you and me talking before the season started, that there just wasn't the same pressure on them that season to win. Mm-hmm. Like, so they, they kind of had, that was a season they lost, like, a handful of defensemen right before the year started, right? Yeah, yeah, they lost Alsner. Yeah. Um, I'm blinking, but, yeah, they lost Alsner and Schmidt to the um, expansion draft. Yeah, and... uh I remember saying to you, like, this is the one year they don't have that same pressure on them because no one really thinks it's going to happen. So, of course, watch them win. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, what a, what a story, what a fun watch that was. Yeah, it was legendary. Uh, so, you as the Caps fan will have huge. more more to say about that <laughs> than me. But uh... <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, it was a special moment. Um, I think that it was one of those cup wins that um, not just Capitals fans can enjoy because... You know, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people wanted to see Ovechkin get that cup. And it was just such a such a huge burden on his career if he never got that cup. It was, it's kind of like, um, you know, when Joe Sackick passed the cup to, uh, uh, shit, playing it on names. My memory is just brutal today. Um, Bork. You know, Bork, yeah, Ray Bork. Yeah. Um, you know, you can hear the Gary Thorne call in your head. Like... <laughs> Uh, it's just one, it was just one of those moments. Like I could see the the Backstrom or like the Nick the Ovi to Backstrom 
cup pass is one of those like old school like um nhl commercials you know definitely um it's, it was just one of those huge hockey moments that it was cool to be a part of watching live um yeah i, I mean that was the first time in years that i had actually definitely that was the first time in years that i'd actually wanted a team to win the cup i'm usually just watching the cup final because it's stanley cup hockey and it's exciting i have like i have no no interest in either team winning particularly much so i'm just watching for the hell of it but that year like i was actually cheering for the capitals to finally pull it off and win i wanted to see ovi lift the cup and you it did not disappoint you tired of watching the chicago blackhawks the la kings and the pittsburgh penguins winning that doesn't do never, it for you. never not at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i guess like i i i i understand that there's a lot of people who felt the same way as you just you know it's it's cool to have another team win and it's exciting because it's ovechkin and he finally did it um uh, and I know... him like that moment that picture of him grabbing a cup from Batman, like that that did not disappoint that was my wallpaper for a long time and yeah I still have it as a as one of my screensavers. It's just a, such a cool picture. Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to mention is that I think a lot of people were were there when uh, Predators were in the finals, and they were they were trying to get that same thing going. Like, you know, let's have another team win. I mean, it didn't it didn't happen, but you know, it's always kind of like we let's see somebody else win. It was it's just not as huge of a moment as. Ovechkin winning that cup, I don't think. It was just... I mean, to me, it and, means uh, a lot. <laughs> but but uh, it was a cool moment for sure. Um, and, uh, and one uh, thing I wanted to mention, sorry. Um, actually, you go ahead. <laughs> you go ahead. Okay. One one thing, iconic moment from that cup playoffs was the save in Ooh, game two. Yeah. That, that one, I think, is significant because that is going to be one of those very valuable pictures that, you know, on one day it could be on that level of like Bobby Orr's jumping goal. It's uh, just the significance and the image of that save, especially the one from in the net. It's funny you say that because I have two monitors. (laughs) (laughs) My one monitor was Ovechkin yelling when he's getting the cup. My other monitor was... Holpe's save from inside the net. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and that's that's just one of the iconic moments from the decade, like that that particular frame. Yeah, that was huge. It was a big moment. Um, what I wanted to point out is um, we had a decade where we had a different cup loser every year. Yeah, that's been going back even past the decade, hasn't it? I think so, but it's just kind of one of those cool stats. It's like. Sure, we had a like, lot of teams. I, I remember win. hearing about this trend, and it uh, it's been going on for a while. Yeah, we've had a lot of teams like get you know multiple cups this this decade, but we've also had a lot of teams make an appearance in the finals, which I think is definitely a, a positive. It's not just the same teams going back to back. You know, we never had like oh, Pittsburgh. except for except for Boston lost twice. Ah, uh, so the Bruins the Bruins ended it Bruins last, ruined last it. season. Yeah, way to go, Boston. Ah, that's right too. Ah, Bruins. So it, it had been going for Sick. quite a while, though. Ah, Boston ruined something else. 
I guess that's what uh, what they get. They get to lose twice if, since they won once. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that was a pretty iconic moment is the, the Vancouver riots in 2011. Definitely. A pretty huge, <laughs> huge moment. That's why I remember we that night. That was a bit, that was a bit insane. <laughs> that's why we can't let Canadian teams pass the uh, conference finals. It just gets too dangerous. Yeah, that, that's that's why that's why right they're just preemptively <laughs> saving Canadian cities from riots. Like, could you imagine yeah, if this year, everybody, <laughs> if this year the, the Maple Leafs make it out of the first round, and then they meet Boston in the second round? What is this fantasy world you're living in? <laughs> they meet Boston in the second round and get knocked out. Like, do you think <laughs> there would be a riot? <laughs> <laughs> They finally win a playoff game or playoff round for the first time in like since what 2013. It's been a long time. Or no, they they haven't even won, did they? When was the last time they won a playoff series? It wasn't 2013. What am I talking about? I don't think they they won one this decade. This decade, no, no, they haven't. They have not. No, I think they got close, but (laughs) they've gotten close in a lot of years. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they have. so I think it would I think it could get interesting if they win one and then lose. <laughs> yeah, would that be considered a success of, of a, a success of a season for going as far as they have in like twenty years or <laughs> <laughs> improvement? <laughs> Man, uh, what other storylines did you want to mention for the decade? Here's a, here's more of a fun one. Um, I found this this uh, tweet from Bonks Mullet. Um, <laughs> it was it's the the first tweet is the top 10 nhl players traded by the ottawa senators of the decade uh there's some you know honorable mentions that uh, are also pretty good so let's just kind of rattle down this list here uh number one eric carlson number two mark stone number three matt duchene number four jason spezza number five mika zibanejad number six mike hoffman number seven kyle turris number eight ben bishop number nine nick felino and number 10, Jakob Silverberg. That's a pretty good team. So some honorable mentions include Robin Leonard, Mike Fisher, Ryan Dezingle, Brian Elliott, and Zach Smith. Could you imagine a team so, with all those guys? <laughs> yeah. They'd be a playoff team. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you got your number one goalie, you got your number one defenseman, you have, like, one of the best two-way centers in the league, like, a whole bunch of depth scoring. You got a really good backup goalie. And this is all players the Senators have had but traded this decade. Or traded or given up in free agency, I guess, too. Yeah, that's a, that's a rough one. <laughs> a really rough one. Um, on on the note of these, <laughs> one of one of the one of the storylines of the decade of the last few seasons has just been like the downfall of the Senators franchise. Yeah, Ottawa and being that one a shit that show. one season after their conference final loss, where they just completely just caught on fire, burned to the ground, and then the ashes got blown away in the wind. Yeah. And then those ashes landed in another fire. Tire <laughs> fire. <laughs> it's been absolutely bad. Um Just... they appear to be on the turnaround now. This this year hasn't been too bad by their standards. Yeah. <laughs> but um they've got a little ways to go before they fix the reputation of what's gone on here. Kind of being outshined by the Detroit Red Wings and on ice activities um but yes i don't know they're they're still embroiled in some off ice things it's it's definitely been uh 
a wild ride. And oh, I guess I'm glad I'm not a senator. Can't forget Daniel Alfredson too. Yeah, the treatment of Alfie is. We'll add him to the list as well. Yeah, yeah, Detroit Red Wing legend, Daniel Alfredson. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah, you mentioned the treatment of Alfredson. Yeah, the treatment of their veteran players, of these guys that are like the faces of the franchise. Yeah. And how like they're 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 kind of leaving with a sour taste in their mouth over how they were treated. So the the reputation of the Ottawa Senators has just been a disaster the last few seasons. And I mean, last two years anyways, it's been one of the major stories frequently popping up in uh, NHL news circles. Yeah, and with Alfredson too, he came back to work for the team in the, uh, for um, like hockey ops or something. And he quit, I think, because he say, said that Melnick was too hard to work with. Probably. I don't doubt it. <laughs> So, yeah, that's kind of cool. Gave it a second shot and was like, nope, I made the right call yeah. the first time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, any particularly cool things that happened in the, uh, the last 10 years that you wanted to mention? I know you had a couple couple things that you were thinking yeah, about. Yeah, how about, I mean, a couple, of, a couple of games that stand out for me as an Oilers fan. Uh, Sam Gagne's eight-point night. That mm -hmm. was just an unreal experience to watch in some very very dark seasons which you know, <laughs> another another story of the decade the Oilers still suck <laughs> <laughs> um but Sam Gagne's eight point night that was against Chicago one of their one of their down years um mm -hmm. just watching that on tv was incredible that's you know it, it started off innocent enough you know he, he had a Decent, decent first couple of period, decent first period, and really started to sink in in the second that he's having just one of those nights where every single thing goes right for him. <laughs> and uh, by the third period, like the chants in the arena are like, "We want ten, we want 10. <laughs> and it, you know, normally it's like the team starts getting close to ten goals and they want that, but no, they wanted ten points for Gagne. <laughs> yeah, we all want Gagne. <laughs> So to yeah. to have you know to have the entire arena chanting for you is uh, quite. It's one of the, another one of those like symbolic moments that uh, that just hits another level of hockey fandom. Mm -hmm. um, another one on that note too is Zach Cassian in the 2016 playoffs, that round one uh, series versus San Jose, mm -hmm. where you know Cassian just had this game where he was he was the entire team. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> between between his hits, between the goals he scored, like by the end of it, the entire arena in Edmonton was chanting his name, which was <laughs> just so cool to watch. Yeah, it's also kind of a cool situation that he's actually become like a favorite in Edmonton, considering definitely, you know, how much he wasn't liked. Yeah. Before he came, I there. mean, yeah, I mean, he did not have a great reputation in Edmonton after uh, break high sticking face or something. Exactly. He uh, high stick slash high sticked and slash Gagne's jaw and broke it in the preseason. Um, got suspended for it, I believe. Is that when he was on the Canucks? But he's yeah, he's really stepped onto another level this season, especially with his play. But he's been he's kind of been a fan favorite for a couple of years now, especially especially through that playoff run. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some uh, some games that have happened that have just been insane, but. Ben Skirvins' 59 save shutout. <laughs> There's another one. 
Yeah, that's up there. Um, this one, this one against San Jose, but one, you know, Ben Skirvin's game of his life as well. Um, 59 save shutout that, uh, that set. And I, it should still be the NHL record, right? I don't think oh, anyone's think hit so. that. I think so. Yeah. But, uh, Scribbles. I think 15, 59 saves is like two good games. Yeah. <laughs> Did that in one game. I don't know if that's a testament to him just being really good or the Oilers being really bad that night, but either yeah, way, being really uh, bad, a fun game to watch. <laughs> yeah. If not very tense. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I can't think of a single game that uh, comes to mind right off the bat here, but um, uh, one thing that uh, kind of jumps out to me is just kind of how the game's changing. You know, like we talked about with Rule 48 coming in, there's a little less of the craziness going on in the regular season, at least. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's definitely less fighting. There's not as many guys in the league who just fight. Like, I mean, really, are there anybody in the league who just fights? Like, No. No, because, I mean, the main fighters, really. like Ryan Reeves, Tom Wilson, Zach Cassian, those types of guys, even now, they, they can still play hockey. Yeah, you know Wilson's a productive member on like a top line. Ryan Reeves is actually a decent hockey player. Cassian is a useful member of the team aside from fighting. So, you know your Cole Norris, your Steve McIntyres, those guys are pretty much done. Like you actually have to be able to play hockey now to, well, I say be able to play hockey, but you actually have to be like an NHL level player. Yeah, even to just be an enforcer on a team. Yeah, it's definitely changed. Um. I, one thing, actually, I, I just got a game that came to my mind is the the San Jose versus Vegas game. Now, this is definitely going to sound like recency bias. You know, the the, the playoff series, Game Seven, Sharks come back when yep. uh, Felski went down. But I think that's got to be one of the craziest playoff games of the decade. Absolutely. Absolutely <laughs> is. I mean, most most games don't have that that big of a comeback in that type of situation. So no. that is absolutely one of the biggest or most significant or unique games of the decade. Yeah, and it's possibly leading to like a rule change. Which, <laughs> exactly. I was just gonna say, which also leads to a bit of a rule change where some other some major penalties are now going to be or now reviewable. Yeah, it's. Uh... That game, watching it live, because we talked about this on an episode, but I left your house, and I thought that the <laughs> game was over. I thought that Sharks were done, and then by the time I had got home, Pavelski had just left the game, and this power play just started, and I was watching with my dad, and I was like, can you believe <laughs> what is happening right now yeah it was so insane man yeah that one was uh one of those crazy games of the decade for sure up there top top three i think probably top one really i i I think that was just insane yeah (laughs) jeez um i don't know is there anything else that uh you wanted to go over at all sean Here's a one of one of my favorite just because it's a fun it's a fun and just completely out of this world day was Scott Foster's day in the day in the uh, NHL. Yeah. <laughs> I have to mention this just because it's such a unique situation like this was one of the most memorable moments of the decade. You know, Scott mm-hmm. Foster this 
accountant by day, NHL emergency backup hero by night. That you know he comes he comes in in a game um, against Winnipeg a few years back. Both goalies get injured. He goes into the game, plays I think it was the entire third or most of the third. Yeah, and shuts out the Jets, and he made a couple of actually impressive saves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a that was a cool moment for sure. Um, yeah, it's always it's always cool when the emergency backup goes in. It's not like a great situation for various reasons, but it's always cool to watch. Yeah, and it's just kind of one of those like, it's kind of one of those like Disney movie moments. Yeah, it's, where it's like, like this the... this kind of unbelievable but very fortunate sequence of events for a, someone comes in and they save the day for this random average person. <laughs> yeah, what's that baseball movie like? The Natural or The Rookie or something like that. Something like, yeah, one of those. Or it's like an older like guy coming into the league and he's just like <laughs> lights out, lighting it up. Um, yeah, I think it's called The Natural. Um, so uh, yeah, this is absolutely huge. The internet just goes wild when those happen. You know, like backup, oh, for sure. like like emergency goalie alert. <laughs> like, yep. Tune into and this game. That's, that's the thing. It's such a huge moment when it happens that like everyone wants to see it. And he did not disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> Sign a one-day contract. Pretty yeah. cool. So cool. Love it. And it's such a cool story. For sure. Because it for went sure. well. If it went bad, it would have been different. But it went Even well. Even if it did, like there's, it still would have been pretty significant because they don't often get to play as much as Scott did. Yeah, that's true. It's just it has the warm, fuzzy feeling because he did. He shut the exactly. team out. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> got the win, and it wasn't even like a zero zero save shutout. Like like I said, he actually made a couple of really good saves on some cross ice cross <laughs> ice passes and cross ice shots. Like that's got to be such an ego boost. Like you're just like <laughs> a guy who plays like beer league hockey, and then you know, oh yeah, I just stopped like Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. Like yeah, <laughs> stop the Dustin Bufflin flapper. Like <laughs> yeah, stop stop line A. Like that's just so crazy. Go to work, you know. Go to work the next day. Hey, what did you do last night? Oh, I played for the Blackhawks. <laughs> yeah. Did you watch the Blackhawks game? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> Pretty wild. Yeah. So crazy. <laughs> yeah, I hope we get to see that happen again. But, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where it's just so unpredictable. This has got to be the right situation. And, yeah. What a crazy one. Well, so yeah, I, I think I think that about wraps it up for the week. Then, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, this is the last episode of the decade. We're going to be in a new decade the next time we record. Wow! So uh, that's going to be a whole new thing to start. And we got uh, the World Junior Tournaments on right now, so we'll have some stuff to talk about with that. But uh, on that note, I think uh, I think that wraps it up for the week. So thank you once again for listening. Uh, if you like what you're listening to, make sure you share it with your friends and on your social media. If you want to follow us on social media to keep up to date with content and random stuff we post through the week, uh, you can check us out on Instagram at ClapperCast Media or Twitter at ClapperCast. Uh, Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.